Hey, what's up, guys? This is John Ryan Cantu, and this is Leading the Christian Leadership Podcast. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Leading the Christian Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a really good friend of mine. Uh, his name is Josh, and um, he does. He, he works overseas a lot. He's uh, he's a worker of the gospel, and uh, I know growing up he he was a he was a pastor's kid like myself. He was a PK. We actually met at a at a peak at a pastor's retreat where they also had like a you know a, a retreat for for pastors kids. We met there. We connected there. We became friends, and uh, we ended up going to the same university together. So. Um, and since we've been good friends, and I just want to welcome him on the show today, Josh, thanks, man, for being here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Excited about dialoguing and see what the Lord wants to do. Yeah, man. So what's what's been up in, in your life? Anything what's been you, up in my life? Yeah. Oh, man. You got, you got a busy life, man. Yeah. So as a gospel worker, we usually work overseas three or four years at a time, and then uh, we come back to tell about share about what God is doing overseas uh-huh. uh, for lots of different reasons, for raising awareness, for encouraging others to go overseas, as well as to raise funds. So right now, during this time that we're here stateside, um, you know, I'm from Houston, Texas, um, yeah, yeah. big city, um, but there's a lot of traveling that I do in, in Houston as well as outside all over the U.S., uh, but the main goal is to mobilize and encourage others to consider that going aspect of overseas gospel work, yeah. because there's places all over the world that don't have access to the gospel sure. named Jesus. You know, I think of 40% of the world that has never heard of the name of Jesus. And we live in 2019 where yeah. we have social media and we have radios and we have all these different technologies yeah. on our, on our, at our fingertips. You'd think that everybody's heard the yeah, name you, of Jesus, especially yeah. like in, in the 21st century Western world. Like exactly. everybody knows it, but it, that's exactly. not the case for the rest of exactly. the world. And that just goes to show you that even despite all of our technological advances, right. the primary way that God uses to share who he is, is by men and women willing to go live with other people. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, uh, you came to my office and we just had a conversation and it was it was such a good conversation that by the end of it, I, I was telling you, dude, I wish I would have brought out the mic so that we could record it. And so I asked you if if you wouldn't mind coming back and recording uh, a podcast. And you said, yes, you'd love to. Um, so we, we booked the date. And um, here we are. We're going to do our best to kind of replicate that conversation. Uh, I think this is a really important conversation for so many people who are trying to, you know, um, be effective in their in their space. So we're, we're talking we're talking today about asking, uh, particularly for financial support. So whether it be for a ministry or a specific cause or your charity, I know like for for us, um, I have a nonprofit, the Go Movement. We're always needing to raise funds, and it's not like we have this. Uh, it's not like we sell a product or a service where we can count on that you know revenue uh, revenue stream every every week. We have to kind of um, depend on on people's support, and so today that's kind of what we want to talk about. Some strategies, and I know Josh has been pretty effective at it because he's been doing it for a few years. Um, but before we get there, man, I, I want to just kind of get a little bit of background um, as to who you are, maybe what called you to this uh, specific ministry. Um, I know your story, but I, I know there's a lot of people that. Um, 
would be really inspired by it. So just let's kind of start yeah. there. Maybe you're well, calling. Well, thanks for the intro. I, I don't definitely don't see myself as the expert in <laughs> fundraising and what I do, but I've definitely learned a lot of things on the way through a lot of mistakes as well as through um, people who have mentored me and some resources and some training. So I'm excited about sharing today um, some of the things that I've learned. Um, but yeah, a little bit about our story, just kind of picking up where Ryan left off. You know, we met in, in university and, you know, I, I was born and raised here in, in Houston, Texas. You know, I'm Hispanic. So, um, I mean, I never really traveled the world or anything like that. And you know, the first time I got on a plane was on a university trip that I was going to Argentina. Okay. But before that, I was, I mean, what traveling meant was get packing up a car and driving to the valley, to the border and crossing to the border state of, of Mexico and just the little town, yeah. if you want to call that. The, uh, little Mexico right there on the border of South Texas, but um, didn't really know anything other than that. Um, grew up in obviously two different cultures, Hispanic culture, American culture. Um, but after that trip to Argentina, I just really, my world kind of, I, I began to see how big the world was right. and the opportunities around it. So I said, hey, this was a great experience. I want to start doing this on a, on a summer basis to keep me perspective because I think sometimes we can get in our routine and our rhythm of life and we, and we forget that there's a world out there. There's views and opinions yeah. and cultures and just perspectives that if we don't go experience them, we can kind of limit ourselves on what our perspective of life, what the meaning of life, what the purpose of life. So I started just going on these trips just to, in a lot of ways, to be honest with you, just to experience culture and Mm -hmm. to see new things. Um, And then around the time that I graduated, uh, we started leading it with a couple of churches for youth to to help mobilize others to experience the same idea. And through that, um, we really felt like, like, man, this is a great opportunity. And just connecting with people that had on the other side of the world that had chosen to leave their culture behind and live there to represent Jesus and to represent who he is uh, and seeing the fruit in their lives, seeing the opportunities they had. uh, We began to ask ourselves the the, the, not difficult question, but question that sometimes people, maybe it seems too out there to ask, like, could it be possible that Mm -hmm. the Lord was calling us to live overseas long-term? Uh, and through a series of events, um, we really felt that that was something for us. But it was definitely not an easy decision. Um, there was, there was always, there's always opportunities in front of us. Right. Like there was, there, you know, the, I think of the week we got, if you want to call it, called into going overseas or taking that a step of action. Uh, there was good opportunities. You know, work gave me a thirty percent raise. Nice. Uh, I had a I had a, a, a job offer with some of my college friends in Kansas City. That you know, at the time, it was just me, and my wife. We didn't have anybody uh, around our age. We we you know we kind of felt lonely. We, you know, we wanted more of a network, doing things in team. Uh, and so the, all these really cool opportunities came up. But that Thursday really just wrecked our hearts, and we said like. We really feel like we have to consider this. Mm-hmm. And so we got in our prayer closets. That Saturday, we actually found out my wife was pregnant with our second wow. baby. And so that was just a big week of just decisions yeah. and opportunities. Uh, and at the end of that week, we, we went to our mentors, we went to leaders, and we said, like, we really cannot shake this desire to go and to see what the Lord has for us overseas and we, we, we said it this way, said we didn't we don't want to look back at our lives ten years from now, twenty years from now. And not that there was there's challenges in whatever decision we were gonna make. 
Um, but we didn't want to look back and say, man, we, we had a we had a, a desire, we had an opportunity to go and we didn't take it. Yeah. And so we, we, we took that step and say, we want to pursue this uh, and see what the Lord wants to do with that. And through that, like through those steps, God confirmed that we're supposed to be going overseas so much so that now it's. We're, we're, you know, this is, this is what we do. This right. We're doing this as a career. You know, we're, we're heading back in August and we'll be overseas for four years in the Middle East, uh, a place that needs to know Jesus. Right. And, and uh, a lot of people look at us and maybe they say, wow, they're suffering for the cause of the gospel and, and what, how much, so much sacrifice. And, but for us, we count as a privilege. It's a joy and an, op- an opportunity that, that we get to do this. We yeah. get to do this. We don't have to do this. We yeah. get to do this. And it's exciting to be able to get to do That's this. That's awesome. Dude, um, I wanted to ask, because you mentioned, I know you have three, you have three kids. Mm-hmm. And um, beautiful kids. You have, a, you have an awesome, awesome, beautiful family. Um, how, how, how different is the decision-making process, do you think, um, when you have kids versus when you don't? Because I think there's a lot of people... And this is really just to kind of get your insight for people yeah. that are kind of going through um, this type of, of of thing right now that they're thinking, well, I, I feel called to this. I feel called to do this particular work, but I have to think about my my kids. Um, it's easier if I'm just, you know, by myself and I can mm. I can do it by myself. It, it doesn't affect anyone else. But now I have kids. So how, what what advice do you think you could give? To people that are kind of there, they're kind of in a, like a spiritual analysis paralysis. They don't yeah. know whether to step forward or yeah. to just stay behind because, man, I have a, I have a family to think about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, our our situation was unique because our kids were young. Um, now it's all about perspective, you know. And so when we left to the field for the first time, my son was two years old, about to be three. My daughter was six months, really young. Um, you know, they weren't really firmly rooted into like a school system and all this kind of daily routine. So they were really flexible. Um, And so that was a great time for us to go. Um, I think in any decision we make in life, we need to to consider the ramifications that it's going to have on our wife, on our, on our spouse, on our kids. Mm -hmm. But from the standpoint of what are we doing to prepare them to be obedient to what God calls us to do? Right. Not necessarily how are we going to protect them or how are we going, you know, what if something bad's going to happen to them? Because the reality is something bad can happen to them any day of the week outside of our control. Whether we live in Houston, mm-hmm. we live in Africa or India, yeah. in the Middle East, those are things we cannot control. I think what we have in our, what we, our obligation is to, yes, consider how we are preparing our kids, how we are, how we are structuring our family to be obedient to wherever God wants us to go mm-hmm. whether it's overseas or or stateside and so yeah there are different challenges especially as you have older kids um you know then you have to think about school years and maybe you know maybe taking a, a trip to go look at it before to get your kids exposure and to talking and processing with them to make sure they know you know that they are part of the decision making process as you guys pursue the the will of the lord so there are definitely um insights and considerations to consider but to be honest with you as we look back in retrospect you know people ask us all this about our kids and how our kids are adjusting man what an opportunity to be able to raise kids that not speak two languages but speak three languages have culture insight uh have are not tied down to uh an american not that american model is bad but having a worldview a worldview that is collective and knowing that there is 
you know, when 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 we really tell them that they could do whatever the Lord puts on their heart, they really believe that because they've seen the world. They've seen, you know, they've seen different parts of the world that people dream of seeing. Sure. And um, and so in a lot of ways, we look back and we're like, wow, what an opportunity our kids and how what, how much we are setting them up for success in the future, in their career, in their life, in their vision, in their purpose. Yeah, that's good, man. Um, I, I would definitely say, you know, I think there is a lot of people out there that even like spouses, right? Um, maybe you feel a call on your life to, you know, go overseas or, or to be a pastor or, you know, to start a business, whatever it may be. Um, it's, it's a lot harder when, you know, maybe the spouse isn't on board or like the, the family's divided on it. And I know that that's an issue with a lot of, a lot of people and um, a lot of people, especially in ministry, um, they feel God has called them to a, you know, a particular ministry um, and, and their, their spouse maybe isn't, they're not supportive, they're not on board with it. And they're like, well, that means that I'm going to have to, I mean, if you're going, you know, to Africa, that means I have to go with you to Africa too. And that's yeah. going to, I mean, that's, that's going to affect me. Um, and so I think it definitely requires a lot of, a lot of prayer um, because it, it is a huge decision that's not only going to affect you, but your family. Um, but if you do feel like God is calling you, I would definitely take that call seriously. Uh, pray about it. Pray over your, your spouse um, in, in regards to that calling so that you guys are all in, on, the, on the same boat. Um, because family is definitely, I mean, it's, it's extremely important. And um, I, I do feel a lot of times people can either neglect, neglect the family because of ministry yeah, for sure. Um, but also, people can, you know, kind of walk away from God's calling because they didn't, uh, I guess, nurture it enough. Yeah. So I think it's it's just it's a good balance that you have to have. Um, but it, it's great when everyone's on board, right? <laughs> yeah, and it takes time. You know, it, you know, we felt. Uh, you know, I kind of fast forwarded to our story, but when we felt that desire to go until to, to we actually left, it was like a five year process. Yeah. And so there was a lot of prayer, a lot of consistency, a lot of moving in our own hearts individually as, as a husband and a wife, you know, and, and corporately, there was times that I wanted to go and she didn't want to go. There was yeah. times that she wanted to go and I didn't want to go. Yeah. But we were asking, we were praying and determined, God, if this is really something you want for us, Lord, give us, give us peace. Get, let us be on the same page about yeah. this and give us your timing. And so uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. That's definitely good. Really good. All right, man. Well, thank you for for that. I think uh, people people are definitely inspired by by you. I I know I am, man. When when I hear you, uh, you've come and, and spoken at our church a few times, and um, you know our people are very inspired by by what you guys do. Um, now, I kind of want to shift the conversation a little bit um, to kind of the the technical aspects of everything, and um, I think this is really important because, especially in ministry, when when we're when we're raising funds, when we're raising money, anytime we have to mention the word money in ministry, it's like people get so nervous, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, e- even even myself, like if I have to raise money as a pastor for you know a specific project or, or something that we we need at the church, I'm always hesitant to do it because I'm like, oh, I hate talking about money from from up there, uh, yeah. from from on the stage, because then you. You worry about what people are thinking, like, oh, do we really need this? Or mm. are they really going to use 100% of that to, you know, to, to fund this project? You know, and, and all these things kind of go through my mind as, as the asker, um, and it just makes us hesitant. Um, and so how do, you, how do you approach that, um, 
that challenge as a yeah. as a minister you yeah. know the gospel i think it's a great conversation i think this is a great topic because we have to we really have to have a biblical foundation of finances of stewardship of our of the the worker laborer a minister uh, uh someone who's trying to to promote a cause whether they're doing it part-time or full-time in ministry there is going to be a requirement of raising funds of getting partnerships um but it's i wouldn't necessarily you know i think if i if i look back at it in my first when we first went out i was you know dreading that too i think i think this is what this this factor right here i think keeps so many people from being in ministry mm-hmm. Uh, like the traditional vocational ministry or the sure. traditional overseas work, because this idea of if I go into ministry, I'm going to have to be a beggar. I'm going to have to rely on other people to support me. Mm. I'm going to struggle financially. You know, I'm not going to be able to. You know, the the ideas of I, I what if I can't provide for my wife and my family? What my parents don't respect what I'm doing because I got this college education, but I'm going to go do God's work. And right. so this idea of finances, in a lot of ways, is a really big stumbling block and a really big thing that we have to learn to address when it comes to ministry, whether it's over, you know, pastoral ministry or overseas ministry. Um, you know, the really interesting part about this thing is, you know, I ask myself this question, you know, why is it so hard for us to talk about money? When if we read the Bible and you study what, if you talk, think, if you write down all the topics that Jesus talked about, he talks about where and you, 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 all the stories and the parables, he talks more about money than he does any other subject in the Bible. Mm. During his ministry, he talks about stewardship of finances, of treasure, of finding great prize, right. all these different things about money. But why is it so hard for us to talk about it here? And I think Jesus, obviously, he's, he's the son of God. He's, he knows what he was doing. I, I think he knows this idea of how money is not a bad thing, but in a lot of ways, we can make it an idol. Or we can make it a bigger mountain than what it needs to yeah. be in, when it comes into ministry. Right. And so I, I go back to what is our perspective? You know, I, I think we are afraid to ask. It's awkward to ask. Maybe we ask wrongly or talk about money wrongly, but w- because we don't, we have a, we go back to not having a really good perspective on where it plays a role in ministry and how do we depend on God or do we p- depend on money? And that's a really big question right there because we have to ourselves ask ourselves, are we budget driven or are we gospel driven? Mm-hmm. You know, are we vision driven or are we budget driven? Right. Yes, we need to make budgets. We need to work hard. We need to do our statistics. We need to know exactly what we need, how much is going to cost, and what is our goal for the long run or how we're going to steward those finances. There's a lot of work that goes involved in ministry and planning and, and making budgets and all those different things. But at the end of the day, from the beginning to the end, where is our focus? Is it budget driven or is it vision driven? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good, man. Uh, I think, I think this hurdle, this challenge or this mindset of, of being afraid to talk about money, it, it really keeps, it kind of paralyzes a lot of people because um, they can't go. They can't go full force, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, they don't want to. They don't want to talk about kind of that that elephant in the room, you know. Um, and if I'm going to be, you know, for, for me, for example, you know, I'm a I'm a pastor, and I'm I, I am a paid, you know, I'm a, it's a paid position uh, at our church, 
and it's it's always been like that for our for our pastors um but i know that i'm not you know this is not a a, a career that is conducive to like building long-term wealth i mm-hmm. i know that right and i i would never try to make it about that you know um and so that's why i have you know i have different endeavors in my life like i'm doing Right now, I'm doing. I'm in real estate, mm. um, and I'm trying to kind of create a, a separate path that way. But yeah. then there's a lot of other people that are like, "No, I, I don't want to, you know, don't. Um, I, I don't want to get paid um, because you know, I, I just people feel like conviction. Like if you're paying me to do service for the gospel, mm. then I feel like it's not. And you know, I, I don't want to. If that's your conviction, that's that's perfectly fine. Um, but at the same time. There are people that are called to to full time ministry, and if you're called to full time ministry, you can't be afraid of of you know taking uh, taking the Lord's provision, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Paul talks about that yeah. in First Corinthians nine, where he says, am, "Am I do I not have my own rights? You know, as exactly. as a worker of the gospel, um, do I not have rights to to food and, yeah. and drink?" Um, and so if that's if that's you, um, I would just encourage you, man, don't 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 feel um don't feel burdened by by the lord's provision if you're doing ministry god is going to god is going to bless you and and he wants to bless your ministry um and if you're doing it 100% with everything that you've got you know money is something that we we need um especially like if we if we have big visions and big goals we need we need funds for yeah. all that stuff and um back in december you you attended our our um our first vision night, yeah, yeah, our vision night for the for the Go movement, my nonprofit, and we had a, a banquet, and uh, the purpose of it was to, was to raise funds, right? Mm-hmm. And I think people, when we invited when we invited everyone, um, we kind of you know kind of gave that uh, that heads up, like, hey, we're you know we're gonna feed you guys, but we're probably gonna ask for money as well. Um, and the Go movement has been operating for now like three years, and we hadn't had our we hadn't had one of these because um i think we've just been so afraid of man what are people gonna say or how am i gonna ask for money um because a lot of times when we're doing the asking it feels like it feels like we're asking for ourselves yeah but that's the mindset that we need to get out of right exactly we're not we're not asking for for ourselves yeah uh me and the go movement we're asking for money for you know to 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 build this this school in in this village in, in tanzania so we're we're kind of being the voice for for those who who don't have a voice here, and so I think that's the mindset that we need to kind of get into. Uh, what would you what would you say about that? Yeah, I think kind of just going back to your scriptural foundation of you know I'd even think of the Old Testament of the the twelve tribes of Israel, mm-hmm. but he God called the Levites. No, you will not work because your provision will come from the people's tithe. And that would be the Lord would be your provision yeah. because they were in charge of stewarding the temple. They were in charge of making sure they that the whole community, the whole 12 tribes were all in line with what God was doing. And so I think this idea of, you know, like you said, um, a, a, labor deser- a labor deserves his wages. You know, now this is when we I think one of the big stumbling blocks, too, is when we think about raising funds, when we think about talking money. The first thing that comes to mind is all these bad examples, <laughs> all these bad examples of uh, someone may be trying to convince you that you yeah. need to give because 
there's starving kids or there's yeah. or there or you know or you like you 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 look at your watch you know obviously you can give to us and so there's this guilt yeah. and this kind of guilt and obligation kind of portrayal that's been you know a lot of a lot of times been portrayed to us about giving and and asking for giving for money out of guilt out of maybe comparison out of like well look how much how rich you are you should give out of obligation out of religious duty mm-hmm. but the reality is like it's it should be a joy to give, right? And so we have to have proper perspective on what we give uh, on, on when we ask for people for giving. But the reality is, this is a, something foundational we have to change in our mindset. When we we're not fundraising, we're partner raising. We're we're not okay, asking people to give us money. We're asking people to partner with us mm-hmm. in accomplishing the vision. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Because. What we because more than just we more than just a one time gift or maybe a small monthly commitment, we want people to be praying yeah. about what we're doing. We want people to be actively talking about what we're doing. We want people to be advocating. We want people to be partnering with what we're doing. We I mean, can you imagine like you know, like as you're raising a school in Tanzania, yeah. as you begin to raise funds, but if you take this partnership mentality you're going to need teachers. Yeah. You're, you're, what if what if God calls you to open up ten more schools? Right. You're going to need more staff. You're going to need more people. And so when we when we take this philosophy out of fundraising and and take it to a partner vision raising, we're asking people to partner with us on accomplishing that vision. And maybe they start with a financial commitment, and maybe they increase, or it may be that financial. A commitment will will call them deeper one day into investing more, investing of their time, of their resources, of their energy, of their inf- of their space of influence mm-hmm. within their friends to cast vision for what you're doing. Because no longer are you asking people just to give you money; you're asking people to help raise awareness on this vision, and that is what God has called us to do. Right. And I think that's the beauty of how God has designed it from the Book of Acts all throughout Scripture and even to today. That this fundraising thing is not a necessary evil. It's actually a really big blessing on the skies. Yeah. I think so many people, so many of people in ministry, uh, pastors or overseas workers, I think they all pray for this one millionaire to walk <laughs> to walk in yeah. and start tithing. Right, you right, know, ten percent, right. and that way, you know, if I just had that one millionaire tithe, all my financial problems would go away. And then, even a lot of gospel workers, sadly, think about this. Yeah. They, they they say if I could just get in front of that one you know multimillionaire that one businessman so true, and he would so fund true. my project like that, but the reality is this, you know I pray that we would get to the point that yes maybe God will bring those people in front of us, but where I'm going in the Middle East I'd rather have hundred twenty I mean hundred two hundred people partnering with me, praying with me bought into what we're doing, walking with me in this journey, than just one person that gave this large amount of money and i don't have a relationship with yeah you know this is part of we, we're called to do this together and so what we're doing is we're building teams and partnerships and networks to accomplish god's call not just raising funds yeah oh that's that's so good uh i don't know why it just made me think of like an army like would you rather have would you rather have an army of one guy with a really big gun exactly, uh, or an army of, you know, hundreds of thousands with, you know, smaller guns? Um, I'd probably prefer the, the bigger number of, of people because you take out that, that one guy, maybe, maybe he stops believing in your vision. Exactly. Maybe he goes broke, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then that's it. There, there goes all your, you know, your financial support. 
Um, so, so creating kind of an army of, of partners, like you say, yeah. I think that's, that's really, really important. Um, what would you say, um, because a lot of people that are listening, you know, this, this show is, is really for, it's for Christians, um, but not necessarily for everyone who's involved in, in ministry. So there might be some people that are, you know, they have a, a, a nonprofit, but it's, it, maybe it's non-ministry related. Mm. Um, how important is it to um, share the vision with people? Because that's, that's really what's going to captivate people's, you know, heart so that they want to support um, yeah. you right it, it's it's presenting a vision what's what what do you do when you're having a conversation with someone and you're trying to share them uh, share with them your vision is there anything like specific no yeah you? definitely i think um presentation is is very important presentation is not everything because there's a lot of preparation that needs to go involved you know mm-hmm. you know if if i go to a meeting and i'm not really passionate about what i'm doing um, if I'm not really well researched, if I'm not really well planned, yeah. you know, that, that shows itself. Sure. Um, as well as if my vision, you know, the, re- the, the sad part is this. I think a lot of people don't get funding. A lot of ministries, a lot of nonprofits don't get funding because their vision is too small. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality. The vision is too small. People, they, you know, they, they don't have a five-year, 10-year track record, uh, you know, not necessarily track record, but a, a trajectory of where they want to go, what they want to do. So, so what ends up happening is they end up communicating their present need, but they don't, and vision is about the future, not about just your present need. And so when I sit down with people, I don't want to just communicate what my present need is, what my present what my present goal is. I want to cast the vision of what God wants us to accomplish together in the next five years, 10 years. And can you imagine by this partnership, God can change hundreds of thousands of lives in the Middle East. God can change hundreds of lives in Tunisia, that there could be new businessmen and lawyers and government officials that we can change cultures, um, uh, countries by providing a quality education to someone that God wants to use later in the future. Yeah. That is the vision. Yeah, right, That's right. the vision why we want why we have why we're starting this little school because we know this little school what God wants to do in this can have tremendous potential and dividends and, and a high return on investment right, right. in the kingdom purpose. Not like you know we you know we we can use these business words and right. not evil or anything like that. <laughs> but there is a high return on investment. Right. Think, you know, when we invest in what God wants to do and what God, who can God can use and what he can use it for his future, the, the, in, his, in the future for that country. And when we cast vision like that, that is what people buy into. That's right. And that's what people invest into because they say, wow, like this person is believing for great things, not just for today, but tomorrow and the next day and years from now. And I want to be a part of that because, you know, I know that by me being a part of that, I'm being part of something Bigger than just this year, right, than right, this next time. year, but I'm going to be part of something that's going to make differences in the next 30, 40 right. years. Yeah, I, I think people would rather um, buy into a cause, right, um, than throw money at a current problem, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you might get you might get some people like, okay, yeah, I can I can give you money for this immediate problem, but you're not gonna, you're not going to build long term partnerships like mm-hmm. that. Um, if if you if you get someone behind your vision, long term vision, so like. The Go Movement, right? We're not just building a school for this one community. Like the whole vision is really to um, implement a better 
school system in rural parts of the world where, you know, the public school system has completely failed them. They rely heavily on private schools, but private schools are, are for, you know, the, the, the upper class. And so we're trying to solve this, uh, this, this, this problem on a major, on a major scale. And that, that's more of a, of a one-time thing. That's more of a one, of a one-time fix. That's a, that's a partnership. That's Ooh. something that's going to take years. Right. Um, so that's, man, that's, that's good. I love what you're saying, man. Um, I think about, <clears throat> I think about, uh, Scott Harrison. Uh, he's, he's the, the, the founder from, uh, for charity water. Um, and he has a, I forgot the name of his book, man, but he just wrote a book and it's, it's, it's gold, man. It's awesome. Um, but basically, you know, his thing is, um, they're, they're bringing clean water to, um, different parts of the world where they're, you know, they just didn't have any. Mm. Uh, and so they're building wells, right? If, if he would have presented, you know, that kind of as a, Hey, we're going to build one well in this one part of the world. Okay. Well, he might've gotten that, but he wouldn't have gotten partnerships to kind of continue that vision, right? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, a vision I think is so important and you just have to think big. I think one of the reasons people don't think big enough is because they think, okay, well, I don't have the money. You know? Exactly. I could think this big, but it's really just a yeah. dream. Yeah. Um, and so do you think that the vision comes first and then the, the money follows? Is that- I think so too. But I think it, it also has to do with where is the vision coming from? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, you know, this idea of what we do in gospel work it has to be spirit-led and God-given. Right. And so if we truly are seeking the Lord for what He wants us to do in our lives, He gives us visions and dreams. And those are the ones that we should pursue. And last time I checked, God doesn't give small visions and dreams. Yeah, yeah. He gives big ones. And so usually what happens is we dilute that vision into something that we can see more realistic. And guess what? That God-given vision has become our vision, our plan for our own lives. And this is where funds actually lack because we have diluted God's vision and made it something that we think we can attain within our own strategies and methods. And so I think it's vitally important that we keep hold of what God's vision is, you know, that big vision. Yes, we ask God, this is a great vision. God, show me what I need to do to get there. But now, you know, at the same time too, knowing that if it's God's vision, God can also bring the provision. I'm not trying to talk any prosperity gospel, (laughs) but if God gave you this, did did he, did he, was he just going to just deposit that into you and just say, okay, well you figure it out. Yeah. You fund it. You, you do, you raise it, you plan. No, he wants to part. He gave you this so you can partner with him in accomplishing his vision. That's good. And so that's where a lot of that the trajectory of, of raising funds, and it's, it's about perspective, you know, like what like I t- said earlier, I think, I think of, let's just, let's just say a church secretary. You can say, you know, you, you know, someone goes to up to her and ask her, what do you do? Oh, well, you know, I sit in the office all day and I answer emails. Um, that'd be one. You talk to another secretary, same tr- different church, and she says, "Well, you know what I do is I actually help um, run a nonprofit, help you know administrate um, God's work, you know, and it's okay. This is this is great." But then you talk to another secretary at um, at another church, and she's like, "You know, I am, am a vital bridge between our community." And the and the and the need of what God is doing, and and I want, and I I'm in I'm in position to help provide resources to the community and to our leadership to be able to see God move in tremendous wow. ways. They're all doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but this one has God's vision and the other one's got a diluted version of what God's called them to do. Yeah. And so this is where, you know, we have to understand what God has called us to do, whether that is mopping floors yeah. or or being secretary work or doing doing overseas work. Like there is if we're being obedient to what God's called us to do and have his perspective, the vision and the provision will come as follows. Yeah. Oh man, that's so good. You're preaching, man. <laughs> um so I, I want to kind of get into a, a little bit of, you know, the the technical aspects of how you raise funds, how you ask, because let, let's say we already have all of this stuff. We have, we have the presentation, we have the vision, um, and everything's good. How do you convert that basically? Yeah. Because that's, that's, that's the spot that I've, I felt like we've been at for a long time. Um, uh, we have, we have a great vision. We have the mission. We have a great website. Everything, mm. you know, the presentation is there. And when we talk about it, we talk about it passionately and people get behind it. But there's other times where it's like, okay, now I have to get in front of a person one-on-one and ask them for, for their hard-earned money, yeah. you know, if they would yeah. give that to, to our cause. Um, that's the scary part for a lot of people. How do you go about doing that? Exactly. That's a good question. And so before I forget, um, there's a book I recommend called The God Ask. It's by Stephen Shidrack. Um, probably some along the similar lines that one of the books that you were just talking about. A lot of really good biblical foundation of why we raise funds. And actually, he spends about the first half of the book talking about that foundation and perspective. And then the second half of the book talking about the methods and the procedures. And just like you're saying, Ryan, yeah, there is a lot of background work. If you want to get into fundraising, that website design, uh, having your vision, having it clear presented on paper form, on practicing what you're going to say. But that is the key, going one-to-one with people. Because, yes, we can do Facebook campaigns, we can do Instagram campaigns, we can do uh, you know fl- flyers, and you, we can do it from our pulpits, from crowds. And those are good, but statistically speaking... Le- about f- less than 15% or less will respond to our efforts in that realm of asking. Okay. But statistics show that if we get face-to-face with someone and we ask them to support us on- with with a dollar amount, will you consider supporting me or supporting this cause at $50 a month or $100 a month or $300 a month, you know, the statistics shows 50% of those people will respond and will become supporters. And not just that. The attrition weight, meaning they they will become lifelong supporters. Why? Because you just made it about partnership, about vision, about cooperation versus just me kind of appealing to the masses and hoping and praying. And you can pray all day about this and go to the masses and ask them, could you please support me? And the reality is they don't feel a personal connection. Right. You know, think of it, put yourself, put it, put it to you in this way. How many people do you know? You, I'm sure you, you're, Ryan, you're a pastor. You've, you've probably seen a lots of overseas workers, a lot of people trying to raise funds for a lot of different causes, right? Mm-hmm. Out of the hundreds probably that you've seen or been exposed to, how many actually took you out for coffee, set you down, and looked and talked to you about the vision and said, Ryan, and asked you the question, Ryan, will you consider supporting this at this amount? And then they just waited for your response. How many people did that? Just one, <laughs> and that's you, and you're the only one that I, I, I actually give to. Um, but that's that's so true. Yeah, I, mo- most people don't do that. Most yeah. people will come to, to our, our our church and they'll appeal to the masses, you know, 
And that, that sounds so good, right? Like you can, you can hit all these birds with one stone. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times those birds can kind of sneak away, you know, they exactly. sneak out and, yeah. and, and unless you get one kind of like, <laughs> um, you know, for lack of a better uh, illustration in a cage, you get yeah. one in a cage and you're, you're talking to them one on one. Um, they're probably not going to, you're not going to, yeah. they're not going to feel a connection to you yeah. personally. Yeah. Um, and so you're really the only one who's, who's done that. And so, and so don't get me wrong. There's not, there's not anything bad about speaking to the masses. Sure, I want right, to clarify, right. you know, we go speak in groups all the time, almost every weekend throughout the week. But what, what, what God has been doing is he has transformed what that looks like. Right. All of a sudden the pressure of raising funds during those grab gatherings has been lifted from me. Right. What I'm there to do is cast vision and gather, gather contacts and network opportunities that I would follow up during the week and meet with them one-on-one and say, hey, you know, you heard me speak this last week or this last this Sunday, you know, and I have contact cards, follow-up cards, and I, I reach out to them. Hey, I would love to have coffee with you. Nothing super long, you know, 20, 30 minutes, and just really share about the vision and ask them. And I think the biggest thing is asking and then waiting for their response. Because oh, um, some people ask or they assume, well, you know, they know me and, you know, they, 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 you know they're waiting for them to ask right. or to say, well, let me support you. And the reality is you need to ask and you need to learn to be quiet and, <laughs> a- and let them respond. Because you are, that, by you doing that, you're, uh, you're validating and giving them the responsibility and the authority to say, hey, it's your choice. Yeah. I presented the opportunity. And so being able to do that. Um, and so, yeah, we speak into group masses all the time. But, man, the, our, that now we're raising more funds to our one-on-one meeting than it is to those big events. And yeah. so with those big events, we cast vision. We, ca- we, we use that as a, a tool to help mobilize others to consider going. Yeah. And the fundraising part is happening on one-on-one visits. Yeah. And it's incredible to see how much people are giving to that, you know, on a monthly basis uh, and how, and, and people that are most likely going to be supporters for the rest of our careers right. in this, in this line of work. Man, can I, can I say that I actually heard um, someone say exactly what you're saying and it wasn't even ministry related. It was a, it's a real estate podcast, real estate investment podcast that I listen to called bigger, bigger pocket. Bigger pocket, sorry. Um, and on that on that episode, this lady, the the person that was, they were interviewing, said the kind of the same thing when she's talking to someone about uh, buying their house. So say I, I want to buy your house, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're kind of doing the whole negotiation process. She says she she throws out uh, a number, and then she just waits. She just waits for the response um, because no one likes awkward silences no one like everyone wants to fill the space yeah and so so by her you know stopping and saying okay well i I said what i'm gonna say now i'm gonna wait for you to pick up the conversation that kind of um that kind of pushes you know you to say to say something well like oh well actually that's okay that that might work or no maybe maybe not and then you can kind of keep going like Mm -hmm. that um and so your approach is you know when you're when you're meeting one-on-one with uh someone you you basically just say Hey, um, would you like to, you know, support our ministry or our cause? Um, would you be able to, we're looking for people to do yeah. 50 bucks a, a month right now. How does that sound to you? Yeah. And you just kind of stop, right? And then you wait for their response. I mean, they're either going to say 
yes or no, right? That's right. I mean, They're either going to say yes or no. <laughs> uh, statistics say that 50% of them would say yes. Yeah. But by God's grace, you know, the last couple of times, I mean, for the, the longest we've been doing it, our, our at least our personal percentage has been higher than that. I would say 70, 80% of those people say yes. But I think this has to go, this goes back to dealing with the fear. Because you just hit it on the nail on the head. Yeah. They're either going to say yes or no. And we're super happy when they say no. Sure. But we're super scared and we don't know what to do when they say no. Yeah. Because this is the problem is we are, when, why is it so scary to talk about money from the pulpit with people? Because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of what people think of us because we're asking for money or we're asking people for support. And I think we have to deal with that. We have to deal with being rejected. And the, the, the crazy part about this is like we have to learn this as gospel workers, as pastors, as ministers, as overseas workers. We will be rejected. Yeah. And the reality is if you, you know, this is a very sad truth, but if you can't ask someone to give, and, you know, if you're a gospel worker, if you're a pastor and you can't ask someone to give, chances are really high that you, you're not going to sit down and ask someone to receive Jesus as their personal Savior. Oh, man. That's good. Because we are so afraid of rejection. Yeah. And so, and we make it about us and about, about his kingdom. Oh, and, so, and so, if we can't ask someone to support because Jesus is worthy, more or less are we going to ask people to commit their lives to follow Jesus. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people evangelize. A lot of people you know, preach the gospel, but can we get in front of someone and ask, when's the last time you got in front of someone or anyone's got, a, you know, and this is a, you know, rhetorical question, but that you ask them, will you consider serving Jesus as your personal savior? Will you consider, will you consider the facts, consider the Bible and surrender your life to him. A lot of people don't, can't get themselves to ask that question yeah. because they're afraid of rejection. All right. And we need to deal with that. You know, I think it's so easy for people like, uh, for example, my wife, she's a, uh, she's a realtor and her broker makes, makes them get on the phone, make a certain amount of calls every day, uh, just to random people and say, Hey, would you like, uh, are you considering selling your house? Um, and that's something I think a lot of people, um, it's a lot easier to do when you're, when you're, when you're making those calls kind of on behalf of of like the company that you work for on behalf of someone else. Hey, I work for, you know, this company. Uh, we're just making some phone calls, you know, wanted to know if you would like to consider us as your service provider. Yeah. We, we have those people that come and knock yeah. on our doors all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, and I feel like people, and what ends up happening, you probably end up blocking the number after a certain amount of time. Yeah. 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 And, but, but I feel like the ask, uh, the ask approach on behalf of someone else is so much easier. But then, like you said, when it's us, we, we make it about ourselves. You know, yeah. when it's when it's my organization, when it's my vision, it's like, okay, well, this is my this is I'm asking on behalf of myself. So they're going to reject me. Um, but what if we kind of t- took ourselves out of the you know the driver's seat and say, mm-hmm. okay, look, it's not about me. It's about this you know this other this vision, this ministry, whatever it is. Um, and then take that same approach, like, hey, um, you know, I, I work for this nonprofit or I'm, I work for this ministry, would you consider, you know, helping us out? I, I think, I think when we stop making it about us, then that fear of rejection 
um, kind of diminishes a little bit because yeah. they're not reject. We think, okay, well, not, they're not rejecting me. They're just rejecting, you know, no. this, uh, whatever it may be. So I think that's, I think that's really some great advice. Just not making it about ourselves. They're not rejecting you. Um, and sometimes, I don't know, sometimes there's some jerks out there that'll make it personal and they'll, yeah. <laughs> yeah. they'll talk and, about and you. But. The reality is true. Like, I think foundationally, especially if we're doing kingdom work, it is, it's, it's God's vision, it's God's plan. And so we're asking people to invest in that plan. Yeah. But yes, God historically has chosen to use us, right. you know, to steward that, to manage that, to to pioneer that. And so, at least, in, so I agree with you 100%. I think when we get that perspective of making the God ask first God, like, who do you want me to approach? And not just give a cookie cutter figure to everyone, but God, before I have this meeting, how much do you want me to ask them? Or how do you want, what kind of partnership are you wanting to develop in this meeting? Right. Is it going to be a financial partnership? Is it going to be a team partnership where they're going to become part of our staff? Is it going to be a partnership where they come and, and, and do the work with us? Asking the Lord before each meeting. But then also knowing the other aspect of it that too, like reality is, is you know, they're here. Every, all the, people are meeting with you because they like you. Because they believe in what you're doing, believe what God has placed in your heart. So, yeah. so to some degree, like to 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 a small degree, yes, people are meeting with you because of you, because they believe in what you're doing. They're not rejecting you, right? But the reality is that they are meeting with you because they've seen something in you. You know, your passion, your dedication, your diligence, your ability to bring this cause out. Obviously, everyone is trying to yeah. save the world. You know, at least in the church world. Um, and so being able to, to put that in proper perspective yeah. in, in all those aspects. That's good. Yeah. I mean, if, if you can land a meeting with someone, uh, that's kind of half the battle, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, for sure. Yeah. That's good. All right, man. Well, you know, we're, we're about towards the end of, uh, of the, uh, episode. I did want to point out one last thing that you, that you had gave me as a piece of advice last time that I, I just think is awesome because I found myself doing this. Um, it's, it's not giving, it's not giving people a lot of options. Um, because that's one thing that, that I would do. Um, I would say, okay, Hey, you can give, uh, can you give, you know, a one-time, uh, a one-time donation of, you know, $300. Well, but if you can't do that, then, uh, may, maybe you can do, you know, three months of a hundred dollars. Uh, and if you can't do that, well, you know, you can do, you know, six months of $50. Yeah. And so we give people a lot of options sometimes that they don't even know what to do and sometimes they're like you know what just neither you know um is that is that uh, what what would you say about that like not giving people options no yeah so i mean it's kind of like the preacher that talks themselves talks their congregation (laughs) out of the altar call out of a response because maybe they preached too long or they gave too many options or not really having a clear you know how many sermons have you listened to and you kind of left left and not really knowing well that was a lot of good things but i just don't really know where to start yeah and the same way when we fundraise, if we start giving people lots of different options on how to give, where to give, it starts getting confusing for them. They're like, oh, maybe I need to do a little bit more research. But if you, that's where I start with, you know, the monthly commitment. And if they say no to that, they're like, okay, well, you know, would you consider doing a yearly okay. commitment? You know, and if not yearly, maybe a one-time gift. So you but still give the options. But I still like, give the options, but I let them say no to sure, one and sure. then go to the other from there. Yeah. And I also follow up and I say, you know, it, you know, maybe they say no to all three or maybe they say no to, uh, to, to one of them because they said, you know, right now I can't, but 
I say, okay, well, would it be okay if I can contact you, let's say, in two weeks from now yeah. or a month from now when your situation is a little different? Uh, would that be okay? And most of them say, yeah, Fine. yeah, I would love for you to con- re- con- you know, contact me back. And the cool part about, you know, the longer you do this, um, you know, there's people that said no in the beginning yeah. because of their financial situation, because people go through financial yeah, situations. But now they're supporters because they knew that I stayed faithful and I stepped, I kept them in the loop even when they said no. That's good. Yeah. I kept them in the vision and, and praying and letting know what they're doing, what I'm doing. What does that show them? That shows them that I didn't just see them as, as, dollar, as signs, dollar signs, yeah. but I showed them as partners. And yeah. if they couldn't give, I wasn't going to abandon them, That's but terrible. I was just going to keep them on, uh, you know, in my communication, in my vision casting. And then one day when, when God released some resources for them or they were able to do it, they became partners. Man, that is so good. I, I think a lot of people just kind of, um, they treat people like that, just as, as dollar signs. And okay, well, if you can't do it, then you're, you're not going to hear from me again. Um, or even, yeah, if you can do it, then you're still not going to hear from me again because I already got your money. That, exactly. That's, yeah. um, you, want, you want people to feel valuable you know, um, as, as a person. As as contributors, as supporters, don't just see them as, you know, as a means to an end because they're they're on on the journey with you. So that's that's so good. That's really important. Uh, and follow up, so important, man. I think a lot of people just kind of underrate that, but it really is uh, a vital element to to all of this. Um, all right, Josh, man, this was great, bro. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, I don't know if you can maybe leave us with one one more. Maybe piece of advice for anyone wanting to do kind of what you're doing, or maybe not exactly what you're doing, but someone who's, you know, they're they're going to get into a journey where they're going to have to, you know, raise some money. They're going to have to kind of um, put their put their big boy shoes on and go yeah. out there and and uh, do some uncomfortable things um, in yeah. terms of getting in front of people and asking. What what is one piece of advice you you could give to yeah, someone? Yeah, just really quickly, I would say on the overseas part. You know, the, the Bible is so clear. And, and many times he gives us the commandment to go. We're all called to go. I think many people ask, you know, why I don't have that calling. We're all called to go. The big question is, are we called to stay? And we need to ask ourselves, God, if we're called to stay for this season, you know, what am I doing to help empower, help spread the gospel in my local community as well as overseas? As far as advice as fundraising goes, you know, I, I believe, you know, like, I mean, like we've been talking about, you know, if we bathe our actions in prayer and saying, God, you gave me this vision and I need the wisdom and support. He's going to bring mentors and resources and, and connections on your path if you're seeking to be a learner. If you're seeking just to do it all on your own and try to, you know, try to get get rich quick, yeah. uh, or get funded quick, um, that really doesn't really produce long lasting fruit. Sure. Uh, and I th- I think that's you know that's the biggest thing. You need to have a long lasting fruit fruit vision rather than just a short a short um, a short a short success. You sure. know, you you need to have a long term vision. Yeah. So I'm uh, encouraged, you know, by what Ryan's doing. Uh, and we're excited about you know what he's going to be what what this school is going to produce in the future. Yeah, man. Josh, thank you again so much, my friend. I really appreciate you coming out and and sharing such great insight. I think a lot of people are going to be blessed by this. Um, so thank you again, man. And uh, hopefully we'll we'll do it 
another time. I don't know if we'll do it before August. If not, then it's going to have to wait four years, right? Yeah. Well, we can always do it um, <laughs> do a this, Skype call, or, Skype call yeah. or something. So, All right, man. Well, thanks again, bro. All right. Yeah. We'll take care.